Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to The Truth of Your Wealth with John and Michael Priest from Copper Beach Financial Group. I'm excited we are going to start a series here based on a white paper that they have written, and it's going to be available to anybody who goes to their website and would like to download it. It's very interesting reading. It's really great perspective into the mind of these gentlemen and what they do with their prospects and their clients when they help them. And so it's 10 questions, basically. And we're not going to do this series all in a row. It'll be sprinkled in throughout this next uh, next year in total. But we're going to start one at a time, just going through these. And, and I'm pretty excited about it. So let's get started. Good afternoon, guys. How are you doing? Hey, Hi, Eric. How are you? Hey, Eric. Good. How are you doing? Doing great. I'm excited to get into this. I know there's 10 questions. I have not seen all 10 questions. I know the first one. But really, the, the title of this paper is 10 Eye-Opening Questions to Protect Your Wealth. Is that correct? That's correct. All right. So, Michael, I'm going to hand it over to you. Can you get us started with question number one and kind of where it came from and, and what needs to be answered here? Sure. Well, this the, the first question that we're going to talk about is actually the first one in our white paper. And it's it's one that we frequently talk with business owners about. Uh, it's one of our, our questions that we uh, ask them right when we meet them. Uh, and, and the question is, if something happens to you tomorrow, tell us what happens to your business. And, and we think that that is a really important question that, uh, unfortunately, many business owners don't think about or ask themselves because most of the time they're spending all of their time in the business, working on the business and uh, not really thinking about what happens to both the business or their family mm-hmm. should something happen to them. Uh, and it really does depend a lot on how the business is structured, but that's the the, the question we're going to talk about today. Yeah, I think any business owner is just going to tell you, "Hey, wait a second, I, I'm just trying to get this thing off the ground, man." <laughs> you know, I, I can't be thinking right. about what what happens if a bus hits me. Uh, but again, we just can't have that mentality. We can't have that you know stick our head in the sand and not worry about it. Uh, because there's other people involved, whether it's your family that you need to take care of, or you've got business partners that are in the business with you. That's something that has to be addressed and should be addressed, you know, right at the get go. Uh, so how do you address it? Yeah, I'll jump in here now, Eric, the, 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 the solution to these, you know, this dilemma is, is typically what options they have to, to look at. Uh, we find when folks look at ways to exit their business, sell their companies, bring kids into the business, or some exit, they don't think through how to do it because they don't understand clearly what their options could be. Mm-hmm. So the first thing we help them discover is we go through a, additional questions and talk about what their understanding is in an exit strategy and what that means to them. So I'll give you an example. We have a client on the West Coast. Uh, it's a fourth generation company. When we asked that question to the three siblings, they looked at us like, we don't know. We don't have a solution to that. Mm-hmm. We all loved our dad. We took over the business. Uh, we're all enthusiastic. They bear their heads in the business every day. When Michael and I stepped into the case, uh, when we discovered all their potential problems, uh, they were shell-shocked because they would have lost the company if we didn't fix some of their problems. Wow. But along the way, we gave them solutions to look at. One was being building a management team to support the growth of the company. One of the other solutions is having more control 
of a key man situation. For example, each one of the siblings had a key role in the organization and they, and they specialize in a certain area. We talked about building a management team at each one of those functions to develop an exit for them to leave before retirement age of 65 because it's a very stressful business that they were in. So they were, they were stressed to the highest level possible. So we talked about stepping away from the business, sitting on a board, you know, working in the business with the executive team, but not being all hands on. Mm. And they really liked that idea. So we, we walked them through different solutions and four or five years later, we're still working on those processes, but they're clear now on how they want to address it. Or let's put it this way, they're clearer. They still haven't made a final decision, but that's part of the process. It takes a while to determine uh, the best uh, end game. Yeah, it's, it's almost like what I visualize is the business owners are definitely those three siblings we're kind of facing a fire hose and you come along and you're just cranking it down and cranking it down until it's just trickling saying, Hey, look, let's, let's take this a little bit of a time. Let's look at what these possibilities are and what these you know solutions could be. And just kind of giving them a chance to breathe is what I, what I kind right. of picture in my mind. What are some of the succession challenges that these businesses are facing? Well, I think it really d- depends on the type of business that that you're dealing with so in in this case that that my father just brought up that's a pretty interesting one because it is both it's both a multi-partner mm-hmm. business but it's also a family business at the same time so there's really unique challenges uh, with that but if you look at a, a multi-owner business as an example there's specific challenges that you may have with partners in terms of of the roles that each partner may take in the company mm-hmm. Uh, how how our ownership uh, interests either uh, shared or distributed if something were to happen to them, like let's say one were to pass away, there's buy-sell agreements that become involved in that. So multi-owner businesses have their own unique challenges. And then, as I mentioned, family businesses do as well in terms of if you're either trying to, in this case, work with siblings or bring in children into the business, mm-hmm. th- that is a, a huge, huge task that families really have to be proactive with and get ahead of because the, the, the success of the company and, and in this case, the family is really at stake if you don't do that properly. Eric, uh, when you look at the stats, only 4% of privately held companies make it to the, to the fourth generation. Wow. But that's, that's, that, that's an issue that a lot of these generational families have to worry about. And what causes that is the disconnect on those goals and objectives family issues that they need to address. Everybody has different approaches to how they want to exit the business. And so it's a very complex environment. And having a good team of advisors, like a good legal team, a good accounting team, and a good financial team, like what we deliver at Copper Beach, it helps coordinate those issues and puts these projects on the table. And and quite frankly, we, we address it every quarter with our families, and we have forced them to address it. Matter of fact, they call us the biggest pain pain in necks in their lives because we mm-hmm. make up address these <laughs> issues because they need to be resolved, and we're very passionate about getting it done for them. Yeah, you got. I mean, you you have to bring it to the forefront. And I was thinking when you were when Michael was talking, this is a double edged sword in this scenario because you've got multi owner and it's multiple family members that are the owners, and that's got to be a very difficult minefield, if you will, to to navigate. And you're the ones helping them do that. How on how on earth do you help? to preserve the relationships while bringing them just factual information that, hey, this is something you have to do, whether you are comfortable with it or not. This is a necessity in this scenario. And how do you bring everybody on board so the relationships are, are 
maintained. In this particular case, I, they all had a very good relationship with one another, so that made it that much easier. But you're right. You can imagine that not every family has that same level of uh, congeniality with one another. So it does become difficult. And in terms of what we do, I think when you look at, at a business, it's it's really uh, sitting everybody down at the table. And I think you would agree to being just straight shooters. I mean, these sorts of decisions as it relates to the business you can certainly have your disagreements, but especially with multi-owner businesses, it's really about being fair with everybody. It's mm-hmm. not designed to, to favor one partner over the other. It's really how can how can we design this in a way that everybody is treated fairly for the services they provide for the company and their their relative ownership percentage uh, that 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 exists. Got it. Yeah, if you look at some of the three probably focused areas that we usually address is there's three exits to a business. One, they could sell it to a third party. They could sell it to their uh, employee through an ESOP strategy or sell it to their management team. All three of those are very complex in nature. Some are more tax efficient than others. So it really depends on, as Michael said earlier, if there's kids in the business, an ESOP might not work. If there's no succession to a business, a charitable piece might be a way to go. So there's a lot of different solutions to those issues. And again, and, and again, Michael's point is, is very well taken. Getting them to sit at the table together and talk about each one of these strategies helps us to get a feel on which way they're leaning. Mm-hmm. Like this firm on the West Coast, as an example, they're leaning towards an ESOP strategy. They want to sell their company and, and do it on a tax advantage basis. And we're in the process of helping them build a management team to have that exit five years from now to an ESOP. So there's a whole a litany of things that have to happen along the way. And again, the reason why this fails is because people let, they let things fall through the cracks. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden someone accidentally passes away or, or someone gets ill or someone becomes disabled or someone leaves a position at a top level in the company, that has huge impacts uh, on the success of that, of that uh, enterprise. So we, yeah, you have to stay on top of it is my bottom line. Yeah, absolutely. Not, not saying that it's any simpler. I mean, we've talked about multi-owner and we've talked about family and, and all that in that first section to answer this question. But what about like a just a single owner, a sole proprietorship, or I, I guess that's what it would be called, just one person that owns it? Is it any that, easier? That's, that's a big challenge, uh, as you can imagine. Really? Uh, th- th- those individuals have particular succession challenges that they need to address. In, in some ways, it's easier, and in some ways, it's more difficult. But mm. if you compare that to a multi-owner business, most of the time, and we could get back to how we look at these types of agreements, shareholder agreements, if you'd like, but the, most multi-owner businesses have some form of, of shareholder agreement, operating agreement that sort of deals how the succession of the business will flow. But if you're a sole owner of a business, you, you really don't have that. And so that puts a lot of pressure on on the family in particular because the question then becomes, we always ask this, is w- what's your company worth without you being there mm. as the owner running running the shop? Now, some, some businesses maybe have key personnel that kind of take uh, the brunt of the operational duties, but when you're really the person running the shop and something happens to you, what ends up happening to your shares or, or, or interest in the business is that gets passed on to your spouse typically in your estate plan. And most of the time, at least from our experience, the spouse really has no capability to run the company whatsoever. And that puts a lot of pressure on the company itself and its value, therefore, if it were subsequently sold because a, a willing buyer is going to look at that company and say, well, it's really not worth what it was before the, the owner passed away, 
now it's worth less because he or she's no longer here running it. So mm-hmm. that, that, that in, in and of itself on its face is, is a pretty unique challenge to, to sole owner businesses. Yeah, and I hit him pretty hard uh, with that question as well as it relates to the value of the company. Michael brought that up. You spend all your years building a, an enterprise, maybe 20 years building a company. Let's say it's, it's a decent net worth company. By failing to have an exit strategy or something in place, the value lo- is lost significantly to the, to, the, to the family, not just to the spouse. It affects kids as well. So we protect that sole business owner, typically with a key man design that says, you at least buy enough life insurance to cover that value to protect that asset in case something were to happen. That's an easy, easy solution mm-hmm. uh, to, the, to the problem, but that's not the only solution. So there's a lot of different ways to protect the value but the, a lot of our business owners are stubborn. They wanted, they think they could uh, resolve those issues on their own and figure it out. And we have to reel them in a little bit. Uh, but when we get them to, to sit down and address the issues, they get real concerned that uh, they need to fix this. And another issue, just to expand upon that, with a, with sole owner businesses, this is a, a case that's going back a few years that we worked on here locally to us. And it was a, a sole owner of, of the business. And he was concerned that if he were to pass away, he had some key executives that that helped him run the business that presumably would help his spouse continue to run the business and perhaps sell it in an orderly fashion. But there's no guarantees around that. So if you look at if the owner of a business who's running it and then passes away, this, and again, the spouse may not understand how to run the company, that spouse is going to rely very heavily on the key employees that may be in the business. Well, there's in it, some instances where what incentive do those key employees have to really act as an owner but not actually be the owner? They really have not a lot of upside in that type of decision. So this particular business owner put in place some some uh, uh, phantom stock plans that that we can that we help them design along with their legal team that helped sort of give them a little bit more skin in the game if the owner were to pass away that they wouldn't just jump ship and be poached by a competitor or some other. Uh, some other company that was local to them. What, that, what, that's what's a, a phantom? A, a pretty stock, unique case. Yeah. What's a phantom stock plan? I don't mean to interrupt, but I've never heard that term before. Phantom stock plan. What's that mean? Yeah. Privately held companies can issue stock options like a public company can. So it's a deferred compensation strategy that allows a company to issue values of shares of the of the company uh, to a key executive in a phantom arrangement, and that means it's not a real share of stock; it's a share of value. So, for example, if I wanted to give Michael a bonus for growing Copper Beach successfully, I could say to Michael, I'll tell you what, Michael, uh, I'm going to value their share of stock today at $10. I want to grow the company to this number. Let's say it's uh, I want to grow from $2 million to $5 million as a value. And if you help me increase that value from 2 to 5 I will give you an increased share of value in that uh, arrangement or more uh, access to the transaction of a of a sale of the company in your pocket from a benefit standpoint it's like a like a retirement plan in a way okay so and i'm assuming that that would go into not in your scenario but the other scenario that michael was saying that would be implemented upon the owner's death if that happened or or sale of the company company. so in in this in this particular instance with this uh, this company he was concerned again that if he passed away these executives would jump ship and so he he put in place this phantom stock type of arrangement where he said that there was a p- certain percentage of the company's uh, sale value that would go to these executives 
if they stayed on board to help his spouse Got it. end up selling the company. So it was, again, it's kind of golden handcuffs is the term we use. It sort of gives them some skin in the game to help you know, assist in that process. Okay, that, that makes much more sense. I thought it was something that started once he passed away. In case he passed away, then all of a sudden this phantom stock showed up. <laughs> but I get it. It's no, put in, no, put it's, in a, place it's, well it's designed ahead of time. It's a little Absolutely. complex, yeah. and there are different designs to it, but yep. uh, it's a great question. Got it, got you it. Know, one, one of the things we, we, we want to respond to here is, is that when you think of it, that solely sole owner of a business, that business is like another child to them. They mm-hmm. spend all their time, pretty much most of their life running that business, spend more time with the business they do with their own children most of the time. It's very hard for them to let go of it. It's really yeah, difficult. So the, so the strategic thought of what do I do with this asset, it's my child. It's it's near and dear to me. I, I've been in this building for 20 years. How do I let, let it go? And they usually don't. And they usually suffer with a bad decision by all of a sudden passing away prematurely and having all this problem sit on the on the desk of the spouse. So it's a challenge to get them to take action, but that's that's a that's a challenge for every advisor to help their client in that situation. Well, one more piece we we'd like to touch on is specific to family businesses, and Dad, I, I think this comes up pretty regularly in terms of you may have a sole owner of a company, he or she may be really involved in in running that company, and they have a child that's also involved who may be coming up, you know, maybe out of college or starting their career and maybe aren't necessary or isn't necessarily prepared to really take the reins should something happen. Let's talk a little bit about how families deal with that issue and and how we can help them with that. How how, how do we typically address that? Yeah, I I just relate to Copper Beach, my firm. Um, Michael is uh, my succession to my business and my practice. And through the last 10 years, we've been developing strategies on, on keeping Michael in a growth mode of understanding how to uh, financially run the company, how to develop a marketing strategy, how to develop a relationship structure with our with our families that we work with, how to build a good team of support around him in case I disappeared tomorrow. And success, we've successfully have accomplished that. I don't think it's going to be perfect, but you have to work on it all the time. And Michael will tell you, we talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. As, as it relates to other firms we work with, we have a firm locally here where the gentleman is a very, it's a very unique business and he has a son that helps him run it. He's the rainmaker, the owner. He travels the world buying merchandise. Uh, he truly believes that his son can take over the business. When you talk to the other family members, other advisors, they don't agree. Uh, so now we're working with him very closely to help develop his son or protect his son with a management team or a specialist to come in and help that, that company continue a growth track. If just in case the owner would, you know, would pass away tomorrow, he's receptive to it. He's uh, listening to us, but again, it's like you know, letting go of a, of of a vision that he has, how he wants to run the company. It's very difficult at times. We act as psychiatrists most of the time. Michael mm-hmm. will tell you, we try to counsel him through uh, letting a go scenario. You know, it's time them to get other people involved with your success, and it's only going to protect your wife and it's going to protect your siblings. Excuse me, or your children to make sure this enterprise continues. Yeah, I think that that to, to add to that, it's really a, a design question because how does that transition take place, number one, and who's really at risk if it doesn't work out properly? So in this particular ca- the case that we're referring to, this client, where he was going to actually have his the, the company benefit his spouse and his three children equally, but he was going to have one child running it. 
which mm. presents some unique challenges if that if that child's not able to continue to maintain that the success of that company like his father was. So there's all these different dynamics that come into play with how that really is designed and protected for the family just in case that doesn't that doesn't work out. Um, we, we, we think it will work out in this particular case. It just may take time. But you never know. Again, we, we always try to plan for the worst case scenario and you obviously hope for the best. Yeah, one of the pieces in that particular case, he has a credit line, a very substantial one, because he buys a lot of merchandise. And if something would happen to him as the owner, they would call that note. Well, how does that note get paid off? Mm. If you're not producing revenues because the rainmaker is no longer operational and the, and the, the son at this, in this particular case isn't capable of running the show at this point in time, and the bank all of a sudden says, I need my loan paid off. It causes some very financial stress to the family. So a lot of these intricate pieces start popping up in these discussions. And our job and our role typically is to discover uh, how he structures his his business, what what debt he has on the table, what has to be uh, taken care of and in what priority and and to make sure that all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. I think that this is really where, again, business owners aren't necessarily trained to think in this way. That's really why why families hire us because we can we could sort of push the envelope on having them pay attention to that a little bit more. And we sure do that uh, hmm. because the, again they're they're used to running their businesses and they're not necessarily thinking about all these other exposures and and, and potential pitfalls that they have that uh, we think about because that's our role. Well, I, th- I think it's important to mention also that. Like you said, you're kind of you're working as therapists in a way because you've got all sorts of emotions involved. You've got a father, and I'm just going to use this as an example. You've got a father who, you know, brings his son to the business. There's some excitement there. Oh man, I'm I'm so excited oh, yeah. that you're going to be a part of this. And buddy, you can do it. It's it's going back to baseball. It's going back to football. Get out there. You can do it. You can do anything, right? And then the son has been, you know, in the business for six months, and and they don't have these conversations of what happens if dad passes what you know dad may be thinking ah he can do it you know i did it he can do it no problem and son's going over there oh good god almighty there's no way i mean michael i would i would say that you would be a great voice for this when you were working at copper beach for the first six months do you think you were capable of running the entire show if, no, if your dad was not. yeah i mean no no i mean and and that's the thing it's really you grow into that and absolutely. obviously you can't replace experience uh, no, no matter how smart or intelligent you may be. Yeah. And in, in, in my case here at Copper Beach with, with my father and in, in this other client's case, it was a similar thing. He, I think he's a very talented young, young man, but he may just not be ready for it yet. I it think just that may be if, early, if yeah. everything goes according to plan 20 years, he'll be fine. But it's again, we, we can't plan for, if we knew when that was going to happen, this would be easy. We don't. Mm-hmm. So we, we try to again, plan for the worst case and hope for the best, of course. Yeah, and, other, and the other piece of the case, as I'm, th- as I'm th- you know, thinking through the key issues, is if something happened to this particular client, the son would, would, would still keep running the company, but the wife would inherit the shares. Mm. She has no uh, knowledge about how to run the business. Yeah. So the son would probably dictate to mom what he thinks, how it should be run, and how's that going to work? Yeah. So you have a lot of complex too, issues said. here and, and things are, gonna, are not going to work out well. And why would you do that and lose all that value to the family because you didn't want to do some planning? And that's really where we, we kind of push a lot. And, and, and this is where getting it into the family meetings that we, we go through with our families. So a lot of this gets communicated to really the entire family so that everybody's on the same page. Because in this particular case, you have one one child that's running a business, the, the other two are not in this case. So th- that dynamic you have to address as well. So communication's key 
And, mm-hmm. and that's where the family meetings that we do with, with all of our family, families annually really comes into play to help with that. Just yeah. helps kind of get everything on the table. And I know there's no simple answer to the question, right? If something happened to you tomorrow, what happens to your business? We have gone over a ton of different things, strategies, ways you guys help. But in a nutshell, since we're running out of time, what should people do? Well, I, I well, first, start start planning now. I, I don't think there's ever – a lot of times we, we come across businesses that want to try to do succession planning, let's say, five years before they think they're going to sell their company or transition their company. We often find that's a little too late. Uh, you mm-hmm. can do a lot of creative things tax-wise and, and succession-wise if you start early, uh, as well as obviously doing some of the more uh, family dynamic issues that we talked about, too. So that's first. I would also say if if you're a multi-owner business, review your your agreements. So if you have operating agreements, re- review how those, how those work, how, how they're triggered, uh, valuations of your company, whether you have adequate funding to – to help in that buyout, if it would ever occur, there's a whole host of, we didn't really get into that, but that's all we could have a whole podcast on that, I would say. But th- those are the two things off the top of my head that I would, I would think to do that. Yeah. My quick answer is, and it's a little more stark is when you open your company, you should start with the end in mind. Mm. You should plan from the first day you open the business on what's going to happen to it. Yeah. Uh, you might have a vision for it, but those what if scenarios pop up accidentally being disabled, potentially passing away, disabled, you know, potentially, or or a sudden uh, issue with uh, with a health that you can't go to work every day, those are all factors. So when you when you open up an enterprise, you have a responsibility not only to address those issues right away, but as you hire employees, the impact you have on their lives is dramatic. We have companies that we have buy sell structures that are so bad they're going to affect fifty employees. Mm-hmm. So if the two partners end up having a war on an issue and they close the company down, it affects 50 families. So we get very we get very intense about making sure this stuff gets done correctly. Got it. Well, guys, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for listening to the Truth of Your Wealth podcast with John and Michael Paris. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when John and Michael come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks so much for listening today. For everyone at Copper Beach Financial Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services Incorporated. A member of FINRA SIPC Investment Advisory and Financial Planning Services offered through American Portfolio Advisors Incorporated, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of APFS and APA. Any opinions expressed in this forum are not the opinion or view of American Portfolios Financial Services Incorporated APFS or American Portfolios Advisors Incorporated APA and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy. These opinions are subject to change at any time without notice. 
Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors.